1: yeah that's cool that reminds me a lot of what happy but hungry means to me you know like you're happy because you've achieved something or you've gotten to a certain place just like the trident right you might have gotten where you wanted to go so you're happy about it but you have to be hungry and continue to either maintain what you already have or to try to keep building for more I'm Noah Olson, and this is the Tom Rowland Podcast.
2: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast today. I am super duper, super excited to bring you this one. This one is with someone that I am... I have been a fan of from afar for quite some time, and um, I wanted to get this podcast together, and it was made possible by one of our podcast listeners who sent me an email and asked me if I would want to ever do a podcast with this person who is on my list. This person is none other than Noah Olson. Noah Olson is the second fittest man in the world. How can you say that with such such confidence because there is something called the CrossFit games and the CrossFit games starts with an online worldwide competition called the CrossFit Open and you move through different um, opportunities to uh, qualify for the CrossFit games and leading up to a, a, a in-person competition in Madison, Wisconsin where they test all different types of of fitness throughout this long process and for the past four years there's been a man named matt frazier who has been the champion no one else has even come close to giving him a run for his money until this year our guest noah olson brought it down to the wire and he is second place in the crossfit games this year which is an unbelievable accomplishment it is Truly unbelievable. Several hundred thousand people start and he ends at the very, very top with right up there with Matt Frazier on the podium. And it's really incredible. Um, I'm very impressed with Noah's abilities, with his strength and speed and all of that. But more than anything else, I am super impressed with the way that Noah carries himself, with a way that he maintains this unbelievably positive um, mindset. He has an unbelievable, pos- unbelievably positive uh, manner about him. And I like people like that. I want to surround myself with people like that. And I wanted to meet Noah Olson. It was made possible by a podcast listener, Mark, who uh, put me in touch with him. And I went to his gym this morning, and Mark and Noah and I worked out together. We had a great time, did the podcast, went to lunch, and uh, I just had the greatest day. It was really fun. But I knew within about 10 minutes of meeting Noah that there were a whole bunch of things about Noah Olson that I wanted to be more like Noah Olson. Unbelievably positive. He's a great leader. He's a great follower. He is just somebody that when he walks in the room, everybody's happy. You know what? And uh, those are the kind of people that I want to surround myself with and learn from. And I did just that. And you are going to do the same when you listen to this great conversation with a great person, Noah Olson. So stand by. Hold on. Here it comes. Thanks for doing this, Noah. All right, we're live. Noah. Beautiful. Noah Olson. We're awesome, here. man. Thank you for doing this. It really uh been a fan of yours for a long time. I appreciate it. For a number of reasons.
1: Much. Cool, um, man. Thank you.
2: So I started trying to come up with a list of. Of 10 ways that I thought that we were similar because when we, <laughs> <laughs> when we started, Stature. yeah, well, when we started kind of putting this together, which Mark, by the way, uh, helped put this together, which listen, uh, is a listener to, of the podcast and a watcher of our shows man. and stuff like that. So I really appreciate that shout out to Mark. Um, but when we started putting it together, I was like, wow, i got so many things I want to talk to Noah Olson about, but like, wonder if it's interesting. Cause I know that you have a, you have a dog. Like Max is your as your training partner yep. sitting by your feet right yep. now? I Big know, Max. and I'm a dog guy too. I've got I've got two dogs that are with me all the time, and so there's one we train with a dog. Love that. Found CrossFit about the same time. Yep, uh, 2010. Yeah, yep. right around there. Uh, both like South Florida. Indeed. Yep, Miami guy. Um, and then you basically um. Do twice as many reps on every workout <laughs> as I do. I don't so, know about that. Yeah, I'm sure of that. Um, but then I started running out. So I started running out of other ways that that maybe we were similar because you you said that uh, that fishing's not your not your bag.
1: Well. I don't know that it's necessarily not my bag. It's just not something that I'm very well versed in. Maybe you can change my mind oh, on yeah, that, we'll but have I haven't had many fishing experiences. Yeah.
2: Well, you told me the one fishing experience, which makes me wonder, <laughs> not, I, I
1: doubt, I don't wonder why you don't like fishing yeah, or, or don't go much because you got hooked in the ear when you were a kid. I did. I did. <laughs> so I was saying goodbye to my friend and running the opposite direction and he snagged me on a cast. So. Yeah.
2: That would make you not want to go. Yeah, again. That was it. Game over. Yeah. But we'll fix that. We'll, we'll get you down to the keys and you can get some good uh sounds good. good seafood. I'm sure you like seafood. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. sounds good. Yeah. So, you um you have to be one of the most positive people I've ever been around. I appreciate that. So, what where does that
1: come from? Um it's a good question. I I think honestly I've just been lucky. Like I grew up and I had a great life. I had uh, two awesome parents that loved me and took care of me and um, me and my sister. And I just kind of, everything flowed and went well. And and I almost sound like privileged to say that, but I had a good high school experience, pretty good college experience. And then I kind of found CrossFit, started getting good at it and fell into being a professional athlete in the sport found my fiance and just like, I don't know. I, everything was just going too well for me to get upset about anything. So um, I don't think it's that easy for everybody. And and it hasn't been that easy for me. Like that's the big picture and looking at it in a positive way. There's definitely been a lot of uh, rough stuff that's happened over the years, but I think at a certain point I just chose to appreciate and hold on to the good stuff and try to let go of the bad stuff. Cause I'd rather be happy than the opposite. That's
2: interesting that you consider that a choice. Like you, you chose that you chose. And and I, I see that with a lot of people that are, that are, um, super positive that they, it's almost like you, you choose it. Like you can just choose to be positive. You can choose to not let things bother you. You can choose to have a smile on your face. You can choose to say hello to everyone. And that's like, just, we did this workout this morning and, um, I mean, you are the number two crossfitter in the world and we are um which puts you as a pretty much a worldwide celebrity Ah. we (laughs) i mean you're you're being humble but like but you are you are though and and then we're at a regular crossfit class and the first thing that i see you do is go around and say hi to everybody make sure you shake people's hands you're giving fist bumps you're doing everything uh just like a regular person but i mean i i looked at that and i was like man that guy's a good leader like you're, I you're a good that. leader because you you not only um <clears throat> are a leader in it, by example but then you're a leader by becoming a great follower as well like you didn't argue with a coach you didn't do your own thing you just
1: very impressive really thank you yeah and and as you say that, I think that's actually one thing that has helped me become a little more that way and I've been sharing a little bit about that recently but the reinforcement of being told something like that. So saying, Hey, you're, you're a nice guy. You, you, I noticed that you said hi to everybody that feels good for me to hear. And so in my mind, now I kind of tomorrow when I come into the gym, maybe not consciously, but subconsciously, I do want to go say hi to everybody. So naturally I'm going to do that. And then on top of that, I'm going to probably remember that, hey, somebody recognized this and they enjoyed it. And so it just kind of is like this positive snowball effect where when somebody reinforces a positive behavior, it makes you want to be and do that even more so. So somebody says, hey, you're a nice guy. You always have a smile on your face. And I'm like, oh, cool. I like that. I like the way that made me feel, felt when they told me that. So I'm going to do that more. I'm going to try to have a smile on my face more. And then somebody else will say it. And it just kind of naturally occurs that way mm-hmm. something that i've been right do you think that you
2: you i mean at some point you made this
1: choice to to be that way were you always positive um i think so i think that i used to be a lot more self-conscious about About myself, obviously that's what the word self-conscious means, but um, definitely not as comfortable in my own skin and not as confident in being able to talk to people. And so I think in the past I would have walked into a room or a gym like we did this morning and I would kind of sit in the corner and I'd be afraid to go say hi to everybody because I would be worried about what people would think of me and... And then I now that I'm a little bit more comfortable in my own skin and confident and I I don't feel like I have to put on this persona or be a cool guy at all like I felt like I used to, it's a lot easier to just be like, hey, I'm going to go around and say hi to everybody. I'm not scared to go talk to that person and this person. So um, I think that has developed over time as I've become more comfortable in my own skin. Um, And I'm sure every... Teenager and and somebody getting into adulthood experiences that right like we're figuring out who we are and it takes a little while to mm-hmm. finally know and and I probably am still in that development process. You probably still are everybody. Too. I mean, yeah. you should
2: be. Yeah. I hope
1: you are. Right, right. You, know, you because, don't want to get stagnant.
2: Yeah, I mean, at at fifty one, I feel like I'm learning those things too. Yeah, but I think that awesome. a lot of people would would be surprised that an elite athlete or somebody that has 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 been at a high level or is at a very, very high level. I mean, within the CrossFit world, you're a superstar. And then I think maybe people might be surprised that you might feel that. Somebody like that, a rock star or somebody that that uh, has all this notoriety around them might feel like, wow, I don't know if I should go say hi to that person over there.
1: Yeah. Right? I mean, yes. that's- Well, I think we all end up thinking you see somebody that's a superstar or they've made it or whatever, just somebody that you see as- maybe a, a higher level than you. And you think, man, they've got it all figured out. They're super confident. They don't get nervous. And I, I shared this recently and I don't know if it's appropriate for me to share because it's not me, but Matt Frazier, who's the, the only guy that was better than me at the games this year, he's a stud. And I thought to myself, man, Matt is the best. Like he doesn't have anything to worry about. Like He must not get nervous when he goes to competitions because he was beating everybody by such a wide margin. And it turns out We'd be in the warm up area, right about to take the floor, and he'd run over to the garbage can and throw up because <laughs> he was so nervous. Right, and I was like, "What? This guy? He's like, he's been kicking all over our butts all weekend, and he's puking because he's so nervous." Like, I guess everybody doesn't have it figured out, and pro- it's probably the same way with anybody. Like, I don't know, The Rock just came to my mind. Right, he's like the man; everybody respects him and knows him. But I'm sure when he goes and speaks to groups of people or whatever, he probably gets super nervous, you know, it's it's just human nature.
2: But he is, you know, he's a performer and, and Matt Frazier in some way is a performer. And so he knows that whatever the ritual is that he has to do, if he's got to throw up in that trash can (laughs) to be at his best, then so be it. Right. Whatever the rock has to do to be at his absolute best might surprise a lot of people like right. it, he might get super nervous and you sometimes you even find out that people that are amazing entertainers are mm-hmm. really
1: introverts
2: mm-hmm. like they really don't like, like turn
1: it on for the camera and then they're a completely right. different
2: person right yeah it's interesting that, it is, that for sure um you've had a an interesting path um so in 2016 you won the the open i did Yes, and which really is cool. a really big deal. Not yeah, everybody that you. listens to this knows knows quite how big a deal that is, but in the CrossFit Open it's a worldwide um, online competition where the workouts are put out there and everyone does exactly the same workout exactly the same way and you're either judged or videoed and out of what several hundred thousand people something right? like that. Yeah. I mean maybe even more. I don't know some years are more than others. Right. Uh, Noah Olson, my guest, rises right to the top and actually wins it. And that has got to be – that's one of the hardest things to do. I mean, because no one knows what the workouts are. Mm-hmm. You don't know what they are even minutes before they're released. They're released. You have a certain amount of time that you need to um, to do this workout. Hundreds of thousands of people are trying to win, and, and you win, that, which is great. And then – but then – you know that seems to be the peak and i'm interested in this time at 2016 because then you would get an invitation to go to a regional competition which was a a uh, in person competition where these athletes now compete head to head and then that was another stair step towards going to the games the games is the super bowl of of crossfit so then you decided you're going to decline your your regional invitation to do something else right in 2016?
1: No. Am I not? No, not no. Correct on that. Um, I'm trying to think of what you might be talking
2: about. Uh, going on the on tour with Drake.
1: Oh my gosh! You know that's funny. <laughs> I apologize that you got caught up in that. That was like a, an April Fool's article. It was. It was. They got you. It worked. That's hilarious. It, it was. Uh, who who did that? Flow Elite or something. Somebody in the that fitness is news industry reached out to me. They said, "Hey, would you be willing for us to write this April Fools' <laughs> article?" And I was like, "Sure, let's do it for fun." Oh, I am super embarrassed. That's, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I, I <laughs> That
2: is so funny because I was like, "Man, I gotta talk to him about yeah. this." Because I never heard anything else about it. That was really like, funny,
1: and it was what? just that one article. And that was it. But I had a ton of people reach out to me, and they're like, "Man, why are you doing this? What's the purpose?" and I think I went with it for a little bit and then I was like, no, man, no, that's, I've never that's met Drake hilarious. in my life. I don't know what I would have done if I was actually presented with that because I'm a huge Drake fan, but <laughs> I don't know if I would have turned down my life. That's the funniest that. thing ever because awesome. I'm so
2: embarrassed. I can feel my, I can feel my, <laughs> that's uh, awesome. my I think I just broke a sweat. But yeah, sorry. That is hilarious You're good, because You're good. honestly, I the reason I wanted to ask you about that is because I saw that and then I'm like, I never heard another word about yeah, it that's awesome I'm like so what he just took a year off and then he just comes back and starts kicking ass that's again. the like, only reason
1: you wanted me on the podcast because huh? I knew Drake You <laughs> thought I was your connection no, no that's out. not at all yeah. um,
2: that's so funny though yeah. and so other people well the article was actually really well written yeah uh, kind of onion style I guess in hindsight yep. and it's like Damn, well, they got me. Yeah. April
1: Fools. Yeah, got you. <laughs> I, that's awesome. That was a few years ago, too. It was like in 2016 that they read the article. But that year actually ended up actually in real life being my my best and worst year of competing ever because I won the Open and I went to a few other competitions and did really well. And then when it came to the actual games, which is like our Super Bowl and what, really matters the most i had my worst finish ever so i was it was very disappointing to go from feeling like i was on top of the world to like boom. I, don't, I wouldn't call it rock bottom but really questioning what i did throughout the season that led me to my worst result i took 15th at the games and was like man do i should i continue competing if i'm so far off my goal of wanting to win the games and yeah. But it was an interesting contrast in one season to have your best and worst finishes. At the same so
2: how time. do you, how do you come to grips with that? Like what do you do when you get back and you're having
1: all these doubts and um, what? how do you, how do you adjust? Yeah, it's interesting. It's happened. There've been a lot of like the the ups and downs over the years. And I'm, I I would imagine that a lot of other athletes go through that cause it's not always going to be perfect. You're not always killing it. And you're probably not always going to be terrible either. So um. My goal in CrossFit has always been to win the CrossFit Games. You know, that's, I think, why most of us are competing, to get as close as we can to doing that. And every year from 2014 until really last year, and I mean, even still last year, I've I've always fallen short, whether it was by a little bit, one spot on the podium like last year or 14 spots off like 2016, it always was like dealing with and coping with a little bit of failure. Um, so I would finish the games and the weekend of the games usually is very stressful as with most competitions. You know, you're, you're anxious and it's physically taxing on your body. So most of the time during the weekend, I'd be like, man, I'm, I'm not enjoying this. I don't like this. And then I'd finish the weekend and be like, I didn't do as well as I wanted to. This kind of stinks. Do I even want to do this? next year and then i'd take like a week or two off and start to get back into it and kind of find that fire again and it would click and i'd be like yeah of course i want to do this i love competing in this sport and it would just start all over again and uh i don't know this year i was able to process it a little bit better i i went into the games with a little bit of a different mindset rather than going in and saying hey i need to win or i failed I was kind of like, I've experienced that five times already. Let me this year just enjoy the experience, take it for what it is. Maybe it's like pretend that it's my last year competing. I want to go out on a high note. You know, I just want to have fun, not worry so much about the placement, do my thing, and just like really appreciate it all for what it is because I'm not going to be able to do this forever. And I know when I'm out of it, I'm going to miss it a ton. And that ended up, playing to my benefit a lot. I just was in a really good place mentally. I was having a ton of fun. I performed really well. I wasn't super anxious. I was able to sleep every night of the competition and I had my best finish. I took second. So hmm. hopefully I'm able to recreate that next year at the games or at some of these other competitions that I go and compete in. But that was a big difference maker for Did me. Did you have
2: any coaching or anyone around you kind of be like, look, man, when you're when you're training, you're having fun. Why aren't you having fun out there?
1: Um, Not necessarily. I mean, maybe somebody had said that to me along the road, but that was kind of just a, a personal decision. And it was almost, I had actually had a really rough year. This whole past year of 2019 was difficult. I mentioned to you earlier that my parents got divorced and that was really nasty. The open in that year was the first time that you could qualify directly out of the open. And so there was a lot of pressure on that and I didn't perform well. And so that was kind of rough to deal with not doing as well as I had in the past, went to some other competitions and performed pretty poorly at at the Rogue Invitational. I took eighth place, which to me was very disappointing. And so dealing with all of that and finishing at Rogue, I, I did have the thoughts in my mind like, man, maybe I don't have it anymore. You know, maybe I'm on the way out and I can't hang with the big dogs. And I started questioning whether or not I wanted to continue competing. and. I had qualified, so I was like, obviously, I'm going to stick it out and go to the games this year. And I think for that reason, because I had had these negative experiences, I didn't want to go through that again. And I was like, you know, let me just make this a positive experience. No matter how I do, let me try to enjoy it and have fun with it. And it worked. And I'm so thankful that I did because I think if I hadn't done that and I had performed not as well as I wanted to at the games... I probably wouldn't be feeling too great right now. A few months later, I probably would still be in that period of doubt and questioning whether or not I wanted to do it. But because I did well and enjoyed the experience, it got me fired up and I'm right back into it. And I'm like, heck yeah, I got three more good years in me for whatever. Who knows? Let's just keep going. Whereas if I had taken 10th, maybe I'd be like, ah, I don't know if I want to do this. Maybe this is my last year.
2: What do you think the lessons that, you know, spectators, your fans, people that are watching these things, you know, there's always lessons from athletes because it, it's a it's a microcosm of life. What do you think the lessons are that people can take back to their business, to their family, to their what their own little competing, whether it's regional or, or just within their gym from that from what you learned?
1: I Yeah, I hope that. They're able to take something from it. Um, that that makes it even more worthwhile for me if I can have an impact on other people. I used to, it used to be all about me and and my performing the best that I could. And now that my platform is growing and I'm, I'm maturing and figuring out who I am, like we were just talking about, it's been more important for me to have an impact on people in a positive way. And so, um, I think, as cliche as it is for me to say, I think the whole happy but hungry approach to it. That's kind of my little uh, tagline that I came up with naturally. I was talking to my coach actually. And like you said, he said to me, hey, you uh, you seem like you're, you're a really happy-go-lucky guy. And maybe we need to figure out a way for you to bring some aggression into training. And this is just in <laughs> conversation. And I said, ah, I don't know if I need to do that. I know some of your other athletes may perform that way, but I really enjoy what I'm doing. And I think I perform better when I'm having fun versus getting angry and worked up and that, that just doesn't work for me. I'm happy, but I don't want you to mistake that for me being content. And I'm not just like having fun, not caring what I'm doing. I definitely care a lot, but I'm going to enjoy it. And so that was kind of when it came together and I was like, I'm happy, but I'm hungry. I, I'm still striving to do better and do more. And I think my experience at the games is perfect for that because I was having a great time all weekend. I loved it. I really enjoyed what I was doing But I was still like trying to compete to the best of my ability. And I still wanted to perform really well. And then taking second is the cherry on top to that because I was really happy to make it onto the podium. But it also made me super hungry to try to win the games and take it one step further and realize that I was so close. I was actually in the lead for, uh, I don't know, the time frame exactly. But yeah, it was until the last day I was in first place. So that made me even hungrier to try to accomplish that finally.
2: Yeah, well, it was a, it was great to watch. I, Thank you. I, I loved watching it. I and uh, it was the first time that I've ever seen Matt Frazier really at since he won. You know, obviously before he won, he was chasing, but I, I have, no one has seen him chase anyone yeah. since since he won.
1: Yeah. That was cool for me to provide that experience to fans because Matt is so good and he's kind of been kicking everybody's butt for three, four years. And I think this is no offense to him, but I think people were getting bored of that, you know, like, all right, Matt's in first, the races for who's going to come in second and third. And so to have the excitement, like, Ooh, is, is Matt going to be able to win and who else? I don't know. I, I think it was cool. And people told me that they enjoyed it more this year it was way more exciting. And I was like, I'm happy that I could help provide that a little bit.
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah he's he's a competitor i mean he is really a competitor for sure. and i would imagine that being um around him is uh well i mean you're you're just with world-class competitors in the whole thing so crossfit for for many people that aren't really all that familiar there are so many different things that are required of you and so you see athletes with all different backgrounds being able to get into this sport And do very well. So, what was your background in athletics?
1: Yeah, I don't know that I actually was set up for success coming into CrossFit. (laughs) I didn't have a a specific background that really carried over well. Whereas, you'll see some people that are like weightlifters or played football where they did a lot of weightlifting or gymnasts. Maybe that gives you a really strong foundation to start CrossFit with because those are two major components. For me, I had always played team like stick and ball sports so i played lacrosse for a long time growing up played a little bit of football in high school i i swam and played water polo little things there carried over obviously having a, a decent aerobic base was beneficial um being able to swim relatively well helps on the swimming events in crossfit but i kind of had to start from scratch in terms of all of the weightlifting movements i didn't even know what a snatch or a clean and jerk was <laughs> when i started CrossFit. Um, and then all the gymnastics stuff, I did gymnastics for like a week when I was a kid. <laughs> so I had to learn all of that stuff from the very beginning. It was tough. Wow. Yeah.
2: What did you think was the, the hardest skill to pick up for you?
1: <sighs> Ironically, double unders were the most difficult at first. I like just took the longest period of time to find the rhythm on that. I've got those down. That's just a jump rope where it goes under your feet twice. I know you know that, but maybe other people don't. Um, all the barbell stuff took a little while. And once I got the technique down for those, and I'm I'm still dialing that in. It's crazy. It's been 10 years and there's still little things that you can change and learn. But the building that strength base was huge for me. Cause I didn't have much of a weightlifting background. So I had to, I would be able to get underneath a heavy barbell cause my technique finally caught up, but I didn't have the strength to stand it up. Right. Mm-hmm. I, um, and so building that strength base took years and it's still in development. But I would say those were the the things at first. I, I had a knack for the gymnastics stuff. I was able to pick that up quickly. But some of the skill stuff, like a double under and then the technique and heavyweight stuff on the barbell took a while. Hmm. Yeah.
2: So when, when you first started, you were what, 19, 18? I
1: was just about 19 years old. Yeah, I was a sophomore in college here at UM.
2: How did you find it?
1: kind of just stumbled upon it. I had heard the name CrossFit before, but wasn't very familiar with what it was at that time. This is back in 2010. I don't think it was mainstream popular yet. And I was all about the aesthetics. I wanted to just be (laughs) jacked and ripped. And I saw a poster of a guy who was just that, jacked and ripped. And it was advertising CrossFit. And the guy who was on the poster happened to be the guy who owns the gym that we're sitting in right now, Peak 360. His name is Guido Trinidad. And... Um, I gave a call to the phone number on the poster and they were actually running a free trial class that weekend. And he said, come and try it out. And I went in and got my butt kicked and just it was such a different environment than I was used to. I was kind of Globo gym doing sets of curls and bench press and all that. And just the variety and the pace at which we were doing it was so novel to me that I was like, this is cool. I really like this change-up. I want to try it again and again and again. And I just eventually got hooked. So you get hooked. At what point do you,
2: does Guido or, I mean, Guido was a, a competitive CrossFitter mm-hmm. early on, very, very good. Went to the games, what, two or three times?
1: Yep. He competed individually in 2012 and then he qualified as a master in 2017, I think in the 35 division.
2: So is he kind of... Saying, hey, you're pretty good at this.
1: I think there was a little bit of that. It was probably more from the other side. I was like his little shadow, like a puppy dog chasing him around, like, hey, I want to work out with you guys. I and once I realized that there were competitions in CrossFit, I thought, I want to do that. I, I think I can get good. I knew it was gonna take me a long time, but I would constantly be just bugging Guido, like tugging on his shirt. Hey, Mr. <laughs> can I come work out with you? And um he let me in and slowly, but surely I caught up and then eventually was able to, uh, I don't know. I hate to use the word surpass him by any means, but it was a, a cool progression for both of us. I think for him to kind of the master and the student, and then the student catches up to the the master. And now I'm able to pay that forward. And there are some kids down there that have just started that I can have a positive influence on, and I can be the Guido in that situation and help build up this. Other yeah. We kid. had one this morning. Yeah. Logan, he's a good kid.
2: Yeah. That's, that's awesome. I mean, he's 16 years old and he's in here. And and that was another example of you just, I mean, without any, any uh, motivation, you just go right up. Hey man, jump in with us. And, and yeah. you, you get a 16 year old kid working right next to you. That's, that's really cool. And it, but you also are fostering this environment. Like you've built this or Guido has built this gym with this environment of everyone. It was like mm-hmm. that. Everyone is, is welcoming, saying hi, yeah. you know, giving fist here. bumps. And then you are
1: further fostering that. Yeah. It's which is really place. cool. It definitely started with Guido. And I, I mean, that's just one of the many things that I've learned from Guido. I think He was a huge influence on my life in the fitness realm, obviously, and then just being able to watch him interact with people. He's also very friendly, always had a huge smile on his face, confident, and I think I picked up a lot of things from him in general, and then I eventually started coaching, and I had to learn from him how to coach and interact with people and groups of people, Um, and yeah, just he created this friendly family environment and I think I took a lot of that stuff and kind of has become who I am as well.
2: Hmm. Yeah. It's cool. How much coaching are you doing now?
1: Man, unfortunately right now, not much at all. Um, I coached from probably 2011 all the way through 2016, 17, which is when I started working with Max Elhage, who's my current coach. And when we first started working together, he said, I think you need to like fully commit to being a professional athlete and not be doing both right now as much as you love it. It's just there were times where I would rush and cram in all of my programming and finish up a workout and the class would be starting and I'd put my shirt on all sweaty and start coaching the <laughs> class. And I just wasn't recovering properly. I wasn't giving enough attention and de- to the detail of my workouts. And he, got me to pull back on coaching to focus fully on training, which I'm thankful for because I think it did help elevate my performance, but I do miss coaching. And I think maybe for fun, I'll get back into it at some point.
2: You know, one of the themes that comes up here in this podcast a lot is, is people following their passion, people, people finding something that they really love doing, whether that's wanting to be a hunting guide or wanting to be a fishing guide. We talk about fishing guides a lot because that's my background. Yeah. And there's always this period of time where you're standing on that ledge, ready to make that leap. Like, and it seems like that's kind of one of those times, like he's telling you, you need to pull back from coaching. Well, obviously you're going to pull back from some of the financial benefits that are associated with coaching and you're going to have to jump into this world of being a professional athlete. How, how does that work with like CrossFit's kind of a new, newer sport? Certainly it's not. NBA basketball or football <laughs> and nice. yeah, well, I mean, it's getting there, yeah. but h- how has that gone with, with the financial side of, you know, jumping into being a professional athlete in really a, a sport that is really in its infancy. I mean, there are sponsorships and there are people that are, that are doing it, but there since the time that you started to now, certainly a lot has changed.
1: What did that look like for you? I, I, I think that I got lucky. Well, I keep saying that word lucky and it, people give me uh hassle for that because it wasn't luck. You know, it took a lot of work to be able to get myself to the place that I, I did, but lucky in the sense that I fell right into being able to do that full time. I graduated college with my master's in 2014 and that was the first year that I qualified for the games as well. So there wasn't this lag period of time where I graduated school and had to dedicate time to finding a job. It kind of happened where I could fall right into this job of just competing and performing. And in that period of time, one of my best friends from college had just graduated law school and wanted to get into sports management. So he was able to help me with some contract stuff. And it all started to slowly come together. And then I competed In late 2015 at a competition in Dubai, the prize purse was the biggest that it had been in a CrossFit event outside of the games in a while. And I won $80,000 fresh out of college. And I was like, whoa, this is a ton of money. My mom called me and said, hey, let's take care of all your student loans. And so I did that. I was able to pay those off. And then just kind of everything, again, this positive snowball started to build up. And I, I got a few more sponsors that were able to support me in training and competing full-time, went to a few of these other competitions, made money there, and it just started to kind of build up. And now I'm in a a really great place where I have some awesome sponsors that I love that take care of me and support me financially throughout the season. Performing well, obviously, helps a lot with that um, to be very transparent. It's not a crazy amount of money, like you said. It's not NBA or NFL by any means, but taking second at the games, I think in total, I made $150,000 just from that this year. So it's it's there. It's good enough for sure to support us. My fiance and I have a a nice home, small, quaint little place in South Miami, and she's able to go to graduate school, PT school. So I feel very, very fortunate financially that I'm able to make a decent amount of money doing what I love. I know it's not going to last forever. So trying to capitalize well, on it with cool projects and performing yeah, that's, well now. Yeah, that's
2: interesting because it's very similar to the fishing industry because you'll have professional bass fishermen or whatever and they will win a tournament and they may win anywhere between 500000 and $100,000 80000 something yep. like that so the money's kind of similar and then that can kind of lead them into this professional career. They bring some sponsors into it, mm-hmm. but there's all of these entry fees and everything. And and it seems like there's a lot of money there, but when you fa- when you factor it all in, it, 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 it's very thin. Yeah. Right. But, uh, for, for this, you know, how do you select, um, the competitions that you're going to do? Because there are more and more of these kind of regional competitions that, have a prize. Mm -hmm. I mean, are you interested in doing something like that? Like, does, do you
1: look at that and go, Hmm, yeah, $25,000 there. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Tough to turn down, but this year actually they've created a ton of what are called sanctional events, sanctioned events. And I want to say that this season, 2020, there are about 30 sanctioned events and they all not only offer the ability to qualify for the games, which I think at this point, knock on wood, I've already been able to do. I can't find any wood. You know, mind knocking on that desk for <laughs> you me? You got a
2: chair underneath yeah, okay, you. There, there you, you go. go. I don't want to mess you up. <laughs> um,
1: I, I was able to qualify through the open. So I don't have to go and compete and earn a spot, but there is the opportunity to win a sanctioned event, get your qualifying spot to the games and also make prize money. So
2: when, when that happens and there's the sanctional events, let's just say that there's prize money there. So you've already qualified and you're going to go to this and Matt Fraser's already qualified and he's going to go to another one and all the top athletes are going to go. And let's just say that the top three people in that competition have already qualified. Right. So does the qualifying spot go to number four? Yep. Yeah. It's like the trickle okay. down effect. And that, and they, they don't might, get the money, but they get the qualifying spot.
1: Yeah. They might still make a little bit of prize money from whatever that yeah, spot whatever is. Whatever fourth place would right. be. Right? It actually ha- happened for one of my best friends, Chandler Smith, who's a stud. Oh, that's
2: another way we, we have something in common. Oh yeah. yeah. Well Chandler went to West point with one of my workout buddies, John Smith Schroeder. And so he had gotten in touch with Chandler and he said, Hey, if you're coming through Chattanooga, you gotta, you gotta come by
1: here. And I'm sure he uh, would. He hasn't, but yeah, he's, well, he's, he's awesome with stuff like that. If somebody reaches out to him, he's like, he'll go through, remember that stop by, meet the person. But um, Chandler competed at the rogue invitational that I was talking about. And, I think he took 5th or 6th. Yeah,
2: I watched that. He did great. Yeah.
1: And and that was enough, though, to get him that qualifying spot because 1st through 4th or 5th had already gotten their spot from another event or from the Open. So it it ended up working out in his favor. Yeah. Well, it's, it's kind of neat, the,
2: the changes. I know a lot of people were very skeptical mm-hmm. of the changes. Yeah. But it seems like there are – Lots of different ways that you can qualify. Do you like it better or or, not as well? Or maybe you're undecided.
1: Yeah, we're still figuring it out. You know, last year was the first year that all this change had happened. And everybody was pretty skeptical, myself included. When they first started announcing it, it, it all seemed very like doomsday. They were getting rid of regionals. And I thought they were going to get rid of the games. And I was like, oh, my God, this is my livelihood. And what am I going to do if CrossFit doesn't exist anymore. Obviously CrossFit as a exercise program is always around. You can do it at your house and in your garage, but if they got rid of the games then I'd have to figure something else out. So a little bit of panic at first just the way the information was being um put out there and then eventually kind of more information came out and we realized that it was going to be what we knew just in a different structure and format. So I like it. I mean, we've only had a season of experience with it, but I think it provides the opportunity for more people to be able to participate, which is kind of cool. I mean, it used to be nice that at the Games, it was really like creme de la creme. You know, you were top 40 in the world, had to go to a regional in person and qualify. So you knew you were competing against the best. This year at the Games, they had the national champion of 130 different countries that were able to perform and compete. So the skill level wasn't quite as high across the board. Obviously the best of the best were still there, but there was a, a little bit more of a discrepancy between them. But they fixed that right away with the with a cut the cuts, right? Yeah, kind of, I don't know. I think there were still some people that didn't love it, even as it panned out, like Patrick Vellner, who just won the open um, a couple days ago. I think he,
3: They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair
2: of boots today
1: Didn't even make the final cut and he's he, right. he is definitely one of the best crossFit athletes in the world so yeah
2: and and Brent Fukowski is the same same kind of deal with um, I noticed some of the cuts came at a time where there was a cut. Fakowski gets knocked out and then there's a swim event after that, right. which obviously, you know, you and him and all the other swimmers are going to do very right. well at what if that event had been before exactly. the cut, you know, you start kind of thinking about things like that. Like yeah, I mean, those could make a big, yeah, big difference. You
1: can't play the what if game though. Cause you can do that in a million different ways. I was thinking the same thing for myself. If I was in first place after event 11, instead of, The games being 12 events where I lost it on the last one or second to last one. What if they had just, what what if the games ended after the swim on Sunday morning? I won the games, you know? Mm. And so it didn't happen that way. So there's no point in even doing the what ifs.
2: Right. Right. Well, you mentioned um, before that you don't believe that this can last forever. So what are you doing to prepare yourself um, for that? You said you had some special projects and I noticed on your website, you were doing some different things.
1: Yeah trying to diversify um, within the fitness world and just do some really fun, creative things. Like I said, I've got some awesome partners that we're really building um, their brand and my brand together. I'm going up to Atlanta this weekend to work with a company called Evertrain, a supplement company. We're developing some new products that are going to be kind of my signature products. So those could be around for a long time, even when I'm not competing um, trying to do some cool media stuff like you're doing, obviously on a smaller scale, just making YouTube videos. I, I really want to make a documentary-style video based off this year's, either the whole season or just the games. So that is something that we're working on. I really enjoy media and marketing, so that could turn into something eventually. My manager, who owns his own management company, he also represents other professional you a friend from college. Yes. Okay. Yep. Cool. Yeah, still, so he started still- the management company. I'm actually a part of the fitness division of the management company. So I could step into that in a greater role when that's over and represent other athletes in the fitness world. He has guys in the NBA and the NFL as well and, and some other sports, but that could be a business that I walk right into or play a role in. Uh, I think there are a lot of ways to just get creative and kind of basically keep the ball rolling with what we've got going now. I don't, I don't think once it's over, I have to cut clean and get a fresh start in some other industry. I, I like to build off what we've already created. So, mm-hmm. Do you think all of the top athletes are thinking that way? I don't, unfortunately. I mean, and maybe rightfully so. Maybe they don't want to do all this stuff when they're done competing. Um, but there are definitely some guys that I think – everybody's done a little bit of a better job now that it's such a big thing, having your own brand and social media and all of that. But when that first was kicking off, there were a lot of guys that were performing really well and could make these big names for themselves that I noticed weren't putting a lot of attention into building their brand. And I was like, man, that's unfortunate for them because I think they could be making a lot more money and getting a lot more opportunities to travel and do cool stuff. And they're just not taking advantage of it. But (laughs) It's all good. I'm trying to. Yeah. So what, how did
2: you kind of, did somebody help you with that? Or did you just, I mean, you've got your master's degree. You've been to, you've been to college. You, you obviously are thinking in those ways naturally, or was someone kind of telling you like, it's going to last forever, man. Um, Better be thinking about it.
1: No, I've had a few people more. So in the way that you just asked me like, Hey, what, what have you got? planned for when you're not competing anymore. And that kind of was the catalyst to start thinking about it. But I think I have developed this mindset or, um, I don't know the right word for it, but, and it, it could be a detriment. Sometimes I'm just always trying to do something. I don't like to waste time. So I'm always trying to be productive. Even on my rest days, I'm on my phone, working with the companies that I work with or brainstorming ideas, trying to come up with a new this or a new that, or, or think of a cool thing that's not been done before in some way. But it's a lot of like, go, go, go. And how can I, what can I do today that's going to take me and and other people further? And so I think it's good in a sense because I'm able to get a lot done, but I think at sometimes I can like just have a million things going on at once and I need to stop and, Focus on one or two of them at a time.
2: Mm. How do you how do you balance all that with with your training? Because like this is this is a serious deal. I mean, yeah. you're trying to be the best in the world for
1: sure. That definitely takes priority. I think that I've done a good job of being able to shut everything else off when it's training time. I don't have my phone out on the floor with me. You know, I'm I'm pretty diligent with knocking out my list of programming, making sure all that's taken care of, and then once that's done while I'm recovering in some way, right? I might put my Mark Pro on and then get on my phone and start taking care of a bunch of stuff that I need to. Um, But training is always priority. And then obviously maybe that will shift when I'm not competing anymore. I can make that other stuff priority and maybe I'll be even more effective with doing all that behind the scenes stuff.
2: Interesting. You talk a ton about training and on your website it said that you've been training six hours a day for the last 10 years. Yeah, it's Um, a lot of of training. training. Yeah. So that's that's obviously physical training. Mm-hmm. Do you do any kind of mental training?
1: I got into that a little bit in probably like 2015. I wanted I I think it was actually kind of pushed on me by people. They asked questions similar to that and then kind of urged me to hey to take it to the next level. I, you're physically obviously doing well, but I think you need to work on up here and So I started reading the sports performance books and mindset books and listening to podcasts. And honestly, I think that it had the opposite effect and it was a little (laughs) overwhelming for me and made me just more anxious and stressed out. And I, I tried to like change and focus on things that they were being suggested in these books. And it just didn't pan out. I like, there was one thing at regionals, I think in 2016 where I came up with a mantra And, and I remember saying the mantra and like changing the way that I was performing based on that, like something about being calm and confident. And I finished the weekend and I performed really poorly and I just felt like really slow all weekend. And I realized I was like, I, that was not me. Like I was trying to get myself to be somebody that I'm not. I've gotten to this point by being me, having fun, like really getting after it not being conservative. And so by trying to be like this calm and confident, it just didn't work. And I I let go of all of it at that point. I was like, I need to do my thing. And there are definitely ways that I can improve on that. And a couple of things I've been doing recently are just working on like positivity and gratitude and being more conscious and aware of certain things. So doing some journaling, I think has been a, a positive mindset thing for me. I think it helped me at the games this year. I was journaling every morning. It kind of helped me set an intention for the day, get in a good headspace and be able to maintain that throughout the day and kind of check in every morning with what intentions I had set and so on. So little things like that. But I'm not big into like the sports psychology and all that because I well, tried it and it didn't work. <laughs> yeah. But like gratitude, in my
2: opinion, is is probably the most powerful. I don't know if you call it an emotion or if you call it a state mm-hmm. or, but it just seems like it's the most powerful. Yeah. Um, and when you're living in gratitude, I mean, we have a way that we end workouts where we do this gratitude. Cool. Um, it's kind of like a meditation, I guess, if you want to get all... Yeah, (laughs) you know, particular about it. But, uh, basically we just kind of do this thing where we just think about the most important things in your life and how grateful you are. And then it doesn't take more than five or six minutes. And then you start the day, you know, you're ending the workout, but you're starting the day in this gratitude. For
1: sure. I love uh, that. Yeah. I've noticed that there are often so many things that are right in front of us that if we don't acknowledge And really focus on, then we can look right past them. And so by doing this gratitude journaling, I've been able to recognize the small things and really appreciate them. Whereas on the days that I don't, I could have a lot of this positive stuff going on, but it's just like flying right past me. And So how does your gratitude journaling work? With journaling for me over the past few years, I didn't have any structure to. And people suggested journaling to be able to kind of organize my thoughts. And so I would just kind of grab this little journal and write random stuff. And And for the most part, I recognized that I was only reaching for the journal when I felt like I needed to vent. And it was a lot of negative emotions. So when my parents were going through their split. I would grab my journal and be like, oh, I can't believe this is happening, blah, 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 blah. I feel this way and just like get it off my chest. And I think that that is beneficial sometimes. But then to read through that, it's like focusing on so much negative stuff. And I don't remember exactly what was the catalyst for this. But one day I thought, you know what? I'm going to create some sections and put some structure to my journaling so that it's not this free flowing thing. I'll do it every day. I'll set a time to do it. And I did. And I I came up with these five sections on the first day. And I thought to myself when I first created them, maybe they'll change as I go. They ended up sticking and they work really well for me. So the first section is gratitude. And for me, I just will write uh, about half of the page just little things that I'm grateful for. I wish I had it with me. I love sharing stuff with people. Some people are like, no, your journal is private, but I like sharing it. And I'm actually releasing. it. Well, let's a, just think about it like today. Like if you were to yeah, write it down today, yeah, yeah. so the gratitude section today would be like, for what? sure. Um, if I was journaling right now, I would put grateful for the opportunity to meet a new person and have the opportunity to be on his podcast and have influence on even more people um, grateful that my body's healthy, grateful that I've been able to qualify through the open so I can take this week to rest and have fun with my training, grateful that Max is happy and healthy and got a bath yesterday, so he smells good, grateful that Joanne made it through her midterms, which was a stressful period of time, grateful that our kitchen is wrapping up and that process is going well. Like all really small things, but when they add up, you're like, whoa i've got so much good stuff going on this is so cool i'm so lucky and, and grateful um yeah that just like that sounds so stupid but i'm almost like welling up with tears yeah. just because i it like it's not stupid man, man life is so good and and obviously there is a lot of tough stuff going on so joanne has been stressed out i was stressed during the open the kitchen was stressful but when you look at it in a good way it, it just It's just a better way to go about it. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's the gratitude section. That's the gratitude section. Right under that, I'll put currently. So it's just a quick reminder of like what's going on in my life at that period of time. So today I would write like podcast day with Tom because that was the one thing I had locked in. Um, On Monday, it was 20.5 redo, wrap up the open. Under that would be my intention for that day and whatever is going on. So my intention for today would be Make Tom feel welcome at peak. Have a great time on the podcast. Make sure that I am spreading joy and uh, just that people enjoy what we're talking about and have it be interesting content. Um, it's small stuff like we talked about earlier. Say hi to everybody at the gym. Smile to everybody. Um Make sure that I'm available to take care of all the little things in the kitchen so Joanne doesn't have to worry about it when she's got her project going on. That's the intention section. Just small things so that you can reference them throughout the day. And sometimes we get so wrapped up in everything going on that you can forget about it. But if I've written it down, maybe later on, I'm like, oh, I forgot I need to check in with the kitchen guys and make sure I I know what's going on there. Under the intention is an affirmation. So just something to like boost you up. To let you know, hey, you're going to be able to meet all those intentions. So on the open redo day, my affirmation was, I'm fit, I'm strong, I am worth, I've put in the hard work to earn this qualifying spot. Or on our podcast day, I would write like, I am happy, I am friendly, and I am worth listening to. Just small stuff like that. And then the last section is usually serve. And that will be something that's not about me. That's one or twenty ways that I'm gonna just do something for somebody else. So, serve. I would say, make Tom feel welcome. Like I said again, make the podcast enjoyable. Um, at, sometimes I'll do like small little things. You know, like bring a sandwich to Emilio, who's the guy that's working on the kitchen, or reach out to a friend that I haven't talked to in a little while. It's not always that specific. Usually it's just like big general stuff, but those are the five sections, gratitude currently intention, affirmation and serve. And I feel like that has been a big thing for me to take five, 10, 15 minutes in the morning, write that stuff all out. I feel good. I've got my intention set for the day. I'm starting off on a good foot. Cause I'm really grateful for everything going on. And yeah. How does that fit into your day? You say
2: it's in the morning, but like, Do you do that like right as soon as you wake up or you you have some breakfast? My
1: routine has kind of become wake up with Joanne before she heads off to school. We haven't had a kitchen in about a month and a half, so I haven't been (laughs) able to make her breakfast. But when we do have the kitchen, I'll get up the same time she gets up while she's getting ready. I'll make us both breakfast. We'll eat together. I'll take Max for a nice long 30-minute walk. And while I'm walking with him, I'm either just kind of like appreciating, appreciating nature or listening to a podcast or something productive. You know, I try not to just be scrolling Instagram or, or doing anything else, something mindful. And then usually when I get back from our walk, I'll sit down journal and then start getting ready for the day, getting dressed, head to the gym and all that stuff. And so that's, that's
2: cool. And you've been able to, um, instill that habit,
1: um, for how long, it's been let me think. I know I started when I went up to Atlanta for like a, a games prep camp. So it's been maybe six months that I've been journaling with that structure. I'm actually excited. This is like a, a little plug, I guess, um, not intentional, but I was able to collaborate with Gainsbox, which is like a oh, subscription yeah. box thing. Mm-hmm. And they let me pick every single product that was going the going in the box for my month. And one of the things that we made together with uh, what's it called? My Fit Journal is my journal. So it has my logo on the front and then you open it up and every single page has those five sections. Well, Gratitude is the biggest section currently. Intention, affirmation, serve. And so in everybody's box, they're going to get one of those journals and they'll be able to try journaling for themselves in that way. Man, I was going to say, that's your first product for your, I mean, that yeah. that's a great product. Yeah, and, it could be cool. I hope it works. I know there's so many journals out there and maybe that structure doesn't work for everybody, but it worked really well for me. still does. Um, so I'm excited for people to be able to try it.
2: Yeah. I think anything that you can pick up like a habit like that and, and stick with is, um, I mean, that, that. The only reason you're sticking with it is because it's working. Yeah.
1: If if you don't mind, I want to show you a, a yeah. quick little clip. It's going to be in the YouTube video that comes out pretty soon. Um, we made a mini documentary for the games. And my media guy, Julian, was with me all weekend at the games. And uh, so... I'm going to just fast forward to this part that I was watching last night. This is kind of like a rough cut of the part two of the piece. And he did a really good job. Like I said, I like sharing my journaling. And so throughout the documentary, when we were back at home after, I was reflecting by reading my journal. And I just so happened to read my morning's journaling out loud to Julian and Joanne on the final day of the games. And he did this really cool back and forth of me, and I didn't know he was going to do this, but me reading it at home and then cutting to me reading it to them the last day of the games, I think it's right around here. final day in gratitude. Wow, wow, wow. This has thus far been such a beautiful and fulfilling weekend. There are three more events left and I am currently in the lead by 15 points. Grateful for that. Super grateful that I've had such a different mental experience this year and I've actually enjoyed the week. Swim in the leader. My attention is still not focused on a placement. It's on performing smart, being me, and enjoying the whole thing. I hope that I can maintain the lead, but I will not put extra pressure into that. I can do it. I can win the games. I am loved. I am smart. I am the fittest. I'm going to celebrate, thank, and love my people at the end of the day, no matter what. So, yeah, that was just like a little example of.
2: That's how, awesome.
1: Yeah. And it, and, and it really worked for me that weekend. Being able to do that every day it kept me in a really good headspace and I hadn't journaled on other years of the game. So it's cool. So
2: your journaling has morphed into something that really works for you. And yeah. like some of the other coaching and books and other things about um, mental training did not work for you. Yeah, not necessarily. So what would you say to people that are kind of bouncing back and forth? Like, how do, how do you find what works for you?
1: We are sweating, by the way. I don't know if you are, <laughs> I but I I, we're <laughs> in this office that doesn't have AC and I'm dripping sweat. <laughs> Just had to point that out. The anyway, things we do for, yeah, for the, worth it. the people that want to listen. Max is probably sweating down there too in his fur coat. We're getting um, close. But yeah, you know, I would say that you got to try stuff out. Um, I wouldn't have known that that other stuff didn't work for me unless I tried it and found out that it didn't work. And it stinks that it happened to fail me in this big competition at the CrossFit Games. But as is life, you know, it's like trial and error and some stuff's going to work and some stuff isn't. Um, Maybe the journaling doesn't work for you and maybe it's at a really important part of your life. And I'm sorry, but um, maybe it does. And maybe it ends up having this really positive impact and puts you in a great place and changes your life. I don't know. But I think just trying stuff and the things that like feel good and, and stick, you have to make the effort to continue them. So I'm talking about how much this journaling has helped me. And there are some days when I forget in the morning because something happens where I, I'm not able to do it on my routine. And then like much later in the day, I'll look at the journal on the table and I'm like, oh, I forgot. And so I, I do have to make the conscious effort. Like it is. It's difficult, you know, it's, it's taking some time, some effort. Sometimes I, there are mornings when I don't want to sit down and write. It's tedious, but it's worth it. And so I'm going to make the small sacrifice to make sure that I do that every day. So I think once you find something that does work, you have to put in a little bit of effort to keep it going. Yeah, I love it. So do you have, uh,
2: an overall mission for your life right now?
1: (laughs) You know, I don't think I have it absolutely tied down to like my life's work. I'm figuring it out slowly, you know. I I like I said earlier, I'm realizing that I really do enjoy being able to spread joy and have a positive impact on other people. I think a lot of people probably are on that mission. Um I don't know exactly what that will look like for me yet. I also love fitness, so maybe it's a combination of that. I love dogs, maybe <laughs> it's something I don't know. I haven't figured out what my gig is yet. That's going to last me forever, but right now I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing, having fun, spreading joy, just being nice to everybody, and we'll see what comes of it.
2: So on your Happy But Hungry uh, t-shirt, that's a lion?
1: There is one shirt that has that, yeah.
2: Why Why did you choose that?
1: Um, I, it was just an image that really resonated with me. I enjoyed it. I was actually walking to a movie with Joanne years ago, and there was a street artist painting on this canvas, and it was a beautiful picture of a lion, just like this. And I got the guy's card. I wanted—I'm—I'm I'm impulsive sometimes, and I wanted to buy the painting on the spot. It was like five hundred dollars or something. We we're going to the movies. John's like, no, where are you going to put that right now? You're not going to bring it to the movies. I was like, but I want it so bad. And so I got the guy's card. His name is Davell, or it's Dave L, um, and. We just kind of stayed connected, and when I started kind of wrapping my mind around the "happy but hungry" um, phrase, I thought, "All right, I'd probably need an image behind this." So Joanne, actually, the I don't have anything with it on me right now, but there is a little like script that kind of goes with it. It's happy written in like a happy font, and then the hungry is in like a little bit more of a bold, aggressive font. And Joanne actually sketched that for me on an iPad. She's a bit of an artist. And so we used that and the image to go with it. I was just thinking about it one day and I remembered that guy and I reached out to him and he said, yeah, sure, just go through and pick out what image you want or I can do one custom for you. Went through his page, I saw the lion. I was like, I love that. It's like, it reminds me of Max. I love golden retrievers. I love lions. They're just big, powerful beasts. And I was like, that's it right there. It's just like a strong, prideful, like, I don't know. I just liked it a lot. It's colorful and cool. So right on. That was the first one.
2: Um, just a couple of last questions. When you get yourself um you're let's say you're at a competition or even a training. Other than gratitude, do you do anything else to kind of get yourself kind of grounded and ready to go? Like it's it's getting ready to be go time. Do you do anything? Do you have any kind of rituals or anything that you do? other than the the gratitude and the the things that we've already talked about?
1: Yeah. um, Once I'm in the gym, I think that I can often, if I'm nervous, which happens for sure still, for example, uh, 20.5, the last workout. I don't know what it was. We had a very stressful morning. It just happened to coincide that the day I had to go do 20.5, there was so much stuff going on (laughs) with our house, the kitchen. They were like, installing the countertops there was a guy coming to fix this and the general contractor was there and Joanne had a a paper that morning and I was just like gonna explode with all the stuff going on and I was like you know what I'm feeling so stressed which is very abnormal for me maybe I don't want to do the workout today because of that but I got over to the gym because I wanted to try to stick to the schedule and started kind of just interacting with people and there was a family that I was visiting. There were these two little girls, Ella and Emma, and they were so cute and so sweet. And I just started to get into this really good mood by interacting with them and the girl was like petting Max. And um, I just started feeling good and I was like, all right, I'm ready. Like, I'm gonna go do the workout now. The, the stress and anxiety had left me. And so that I think is a perfect reflection of the way that I perform well now that i'm thinking about it cuz oftentimes in the warm up area i can start to feel those nerves and like get overwhelmed by them and think like oh man i don't know how am i going to perform what if just all these thoughts the times that i can let go of those and just kind of have fun in the warm up area and like hang with my friends be happy warm up like recognize that i love what i'm doing i tend to go out and perform way better And that actually kind of first happened for me at a regional back in the day. I used to take the floor very overwhelmed and like almost with that angry personality that we were talking about before that my coach said he thought I kind of needed. And so when one little thing would go wrong because I was already so worked up, it was like panic mode. I'd get a no rep on a wall and I'd be like, oh my God. And there was one time I took the floor and I happened to lock eyes with Joanne in the crowd and I smiled and I was like, let me just try to smile this whole workout and see how that goes. And I looked around and I was like, yeah, this is really cool. I'm going to smile. And that just kind of has been the way that it has worked best for me ever since just enjoying it.
2: Happiness is a choice. Yeah. I mean, it, it, that we've come back and forth on that theme that, that you live this way because you choose to live this way. Yeah. I and anybody so. can choose to live that way.
1: I I do think so. and And I want to speak on that very briefly because I think, people listening may think that's unfair to say because i used to think it was that easy i like when my parents were going through their situation my mom had a really rough time with it they both did but i'd be talking to my mom and she'd be so upset and i i wanted to just be like mom you just have to wake up today and be like i'm going to change everything i'm going to be happy today is the day and you, it just needs a snap like that and she's like, it's not that easy. I, I can't do that. I wake up and I'm miserable and I'm thinking about this and that. I'm in this house that I don't want to be in. And and then when I started to get more wrapped up in their situation and overwhelmed by some of it, I would wake up and I would have days where it usually is really easy to make the choice, but I would, I would just be like, I can't. I want to, but yeah. I can't. I'm yeah. just like really sad today. I'm bummed out. I don't feel good. And I'm trying to make this choice, but I can't. And then I started to realize, wow, you know, I think for everybody, it's not always super simple. You know, it's it could be situational. You know, if you're in a, a tough situation, it's really hard to be happy sometimes. Um, I, I think that there are things that you can do to get yourself out of the situation by making a choice. But it isn't always that simple to be fair to everyone.
2: Yeah, no, it's, it's not that simple, but you know, oftentimes like I, I'm, when you're saying that I'm immediately going to the, to, to the things that happen in the gym, like you walk into the gym and you can't, even conceive of doing a muscle up you can't even hang from the rings or you can't even do a pull-up like yeah. but there are these small progressions mm-hmm. and you do things day after day after day after yeah. day and then you make things a little more difficult and you're making these other choices and you're you're choosing all these things that that play a factor in one day you're actually able yeah, to do that for sure and, Eventually you get there. And, and i think that can be the same way with with happiness like they're There are certainly people that are very fortunate and they're just, you know, their eyebrows are furrowed and they're just trying to do their job and they're just trying to get through this today. And and if they have this hard edge, they're going to be able to do it better because that's the way they've been doing it for a long time. And somebody like that might be able to just make the choice like, you know what? I'm going to be friendly. I'm going to be Mm -hmm. nice. I'm going to smile. Just all the same things that you've said. But there are are certainly other people that have to have that progression of today. I'm going to try to be nice to someone today. I'm going to try to do something, you know, nice for someone because that I did this event, Seal fit Kokoro. And that was one of the things that we learned there is that he told us that immediately he's like, when you're feeling at your worst, help somebody out look to your neighbor, help them out. And, um, and that, that was like, okay, Uh, everybody saw that. And it was like, like, yeah, it was, was, it was, it was a big deal. And then also did go Ruck selection, which is a similar event, but, it, almost exactly the same in the things that you have to do and the length and the duration but the big difference there was in go Ruck selection you couldn't talk to anyone mm. they did not allow anything so in seal fit it was like a team kind of thing and everyone you were you were punished if you didn't look to your neighbor and right. help like that person's having a problem why are you not helping right. them right oh,
1: Okay. You guys and then you start together. feeling better yeah. and then
2: you start, um, you know, doing, uh, much better as a team and everybody's feeling that's better. Cool. And when you help someone in your time of, in your darkest time, you start to rise up. Yep. And I had a big problem in selection because there was none of that. Mm-hmm. You couldn't, you would see somebody hurting next to you or you were hurting next to you yeah, and nobody's helping. Nobody's helping. Yeah. That's uh, That that's time that I did, um, uh, Kokoro, I, I was able to do it with a whole bunch of elite athletes. That's really cool. Uh, Becca Voigt was there. Nice. and Elizabeth Ackenwally. I always wanted to do that. Whenever. It was it, well. It's yeah. it's a great thing to do. Yeah. yeah, and you would probably not get a lot of physical benefit out of it because you're so fit, but you would definitely get mental benefit. Yeah, and sure. and um, there just there's just so many lessons. Like cool. one of the lessons is that the Navy SEALs, um, they say you earn your trident every day. Hmm. And what they mean by that is that you have gone through BUDS and all this other training to earn this trident. And just because you've earned that. It's not over. It's not over. Yeah. Tomorrow, when there's no training, nobody telling you what to do, you have to earn that. What are you going to do to earn that? And I just remember staring at the ocean in the middle of the night. This big, tough Navy SEAL comes Mm -hmm. up behind me and he says, Roland, what's your trident? And I said, it's my wife and my family. And he said, what are you going to do to earn that Trident every day? And I just, I said, I'm going to be the best man I can possibly be. That's cool. And you know, that really stuck with me. That was like one of the things, like the things that you have created, this gratitude, this way of living for you, this, you know, being, being one of the fittest men in the world, it's not over. Like you have to earn that every day. Mm. And people will say, "Noah Olson, he's the nicest guy I've ever met." Well, you what what do you do to earn that tomorrow? What do you do to earn that in ten years? Yeah. You know,
1: that's cool. That reminds me a lot of what "happy but hungry" means to me. You know, like you're happy because you've achieved something or you've gotten to a certain place, just like the Trident, right? You might have gotten where you wanted to go, so you're happy about it, but you have to be hungry and continue to either maintain what you already have or to try to keep building for more.
2: Do you think when that hunger goes away, it's time to move on?
1: Um, I don't know. Cause I think it comes and goes in waves. Mm. And so I almost had the experience this year in the middle of the season where I didn't feel the hunger and thought about moving on. And if I had, I wouldn't have gotten second at the games and I would have missed out on so much positivity and opportunity and, So I don't know. It's uh, tough to say because if I would have called it there, I probably would have missed out on a lot of good stuff and would have regretted that. So I think if you're in a situation where you're like about ready to call it, maybe it's worth hanging on a little longer. And there are... Vice versa. Sometimes people have been hanging on for way too long and it's time to move on. So I don't yeah, know. I don't there's think there's an too. easy there answer. There is that. Yeah. That's
2: interesting. All right. You got anything you want to leave us with? Cause we're going to dive dehydration in here.
1: No, man, I'm <laughs> I'm good. I think that was some great conversation I hope everybody enjoys it.
2: Well, you know, I just want to honor you and uh, tell you how much I appreciate, you know, watching from uh, this is the first time we've been able to meet. But um, sometimes when you meet people that, that you've watched from a distance, um, it can be a little bit disappointing. <laughs> and in your case, it is, um, far better than I, than ah, I cool, had hoped Thank because you so one of the things like my son, you got to give my son Hayden a shout out. He's one yeah, of your biggest so fans. Hayden. Oh, really cool. Yeah. Um, he, uh, he's like, I like that guy, man. Nice. He's cool. And, uh, I think actually before the games, he sent you a message. You might have to, if you probably oh, got cool. a yeah, zillion of them, but, uh, yeah, he did that. But, um, he, uh, Oh man, I lost my train of thought. But um, anyway, you're very positive. Thank you. Yeah, I can see that from a distance, and then when you get around you in in your environment, which is great that we were able to come and do this here. Yeah. It, it it was better than I than I had hoped. So oh, man, you've, got a, you've got you, a you've got an awesome you've got an awesome thing. This life suits you, and you're doing awesome. I wish you the very best of luck, and hope you take it home this year. Thank you so much. Same to you, buddy. All right. See you.
3: Once in a while, it's fun to go with like just full blown redneck on these fish.
2: This is like high tech
3: cane pole fishing right
0: here. From the white sandy beaches to the crystal blue waters, enjoy the best fishing Panama City Beach has to offer during Chase in the Sun, Sundays at 9.30 a.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. Through the Blackwater bayous and in the dark
3: Louisiana night, floats a duck camp, alive with the sounds of swamp pop, and the smells of Cajun cooking. From the Mississippi Delta in Venice to the Cajun Prairies of the Southwest, me and the Duck Camp Dinners crew will be hunting and eating it all. This is Duck Camp Dinner. Join me, Chef Jean-Paul Bourgeois, and the whole crew every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.